My Christmas Day message is entitled, Receiving Jesus. When we talk of messianic prophecies that foretold the coming of Jesus, there are some that immediately come to mind, some very popular ones, like Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. We also know this uh, popular prophecy in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Looking back at these prophecies now, one cannot argue that they mean anything else than exactly what was fulfilled through Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son coming into the world. These prophecies were given 700 years plus before the birth of Christ. These are popular verses that we read at this time of year. But there are other prophecies about Christ that often get overshadowed but are just as powerful. Isaiah 53, verse 2, says this, speaking of Jesus, He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. At first glance, you might think, what does this have to do with Christmas? I'll tell you, it has everything to do with Christmas because it answers the question, why Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a mere five and a half miles from Jerusalem. Five and a half miles from King Herod's palace. An hour and 45 minutes walk to the Jewish temple where one could find the religious leaders and the teachers of the law. So basically, Jesus was born right under their noses and grew up right before those who expected the Messiah to first appear in the temple. Yet the second half of this prophecy states that he would come up as a root out of dry ground. In other words, he would come to a dry land, a people not only dead in their sin, but also having been written off by the ruling elites, oppressed by the Roman Empire, and thirsting for the living water of God. But in order to plant this messianic seed deep into the heart of this dry land, God would have to bring Mary and Joseph all the way from Nazareth into the depth and to the desperation of Bethlehem. One of the amazing things of God is God can use us even in our foolish plans and our foolish agendas, to accomplish great things for Him. In fact, He can use people who do not even follow Him to cause His will to come to pass. By the will of God, Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. In other words, God allowed the greed of this man, seeking the tax revenue of all in the empire, to bring Mary and Joseph back to their ancestral home of Bethlehem. Also, the pride of King Herod 
prevented him from considering that any other royal power could be born anywhere near him. The arrogance of the Pharisees prevented them from believing that anyone else besides themselves could fulfill the law better than they had been doing. And the sheer unwillingness to believe that Jesus could be the Messiah prevented many in the surrounding areas of Galilee from accepting this gift from heaven. In other words, it was a dry ground. They were not looking for Jesus. They did not even know He was born. But God knew exactly where that ground was dry to fulfill that prophecy. He knew where that dry ground needed living water and where that land was ripe for the promised Messiah, a Savior to the world. This is what makes the birth in Bethlehem so miraculous and wonderful. And yet, when the shepherds first saw the skies above them light up in a glorious announcement of heaven touching earth, they were humbled and surprised that God had chosen them as the first to hear the message. Luke 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You see, these unassuming shepherds were the first to receive the first drops of living water from heaven. When this angelic announcement sprinkled over the fields of Bethlehem, preparing the dry ground for the birth of Christ. Thus we learn that the first way to receive Jesus is by humbling ourselves, understanding that we don't deserve Him. The same way the shepherds thought they figured that the announcement would have come in the temple. The announcement would have come to the ruling elites and to the teachers of the law. Why us? And so their humbleness and their humility allowed God to bring the announcement to them first. Our humbleness or our humility allows us to say we don't deserve Christ, but He gives us His love anyway. God is willing to give Him to us in order to plant the hope of Jesus deep into our hearts if we truly believe and if we're truly seeking God. Luke 2, verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Why did they need a sign? Because everyone else who was looking for a Messiah was looking for a grand and glorious king, someone who was all decked out in apparel. It's not how God appeared. You see, the second step in receiving Jesus is to understand that God may come in the way, He may not come in the way that we expect Him to come. In other words, He may not be found in the middle of a blessing, but rather in the middle of a great trial or in the middle of a great challenge. Too many people put God in a box and expect Him to fit into their expectation or desire. Yet Jesus knows what we need before we even ask. And often, He comes to us in a completely different way. 
the people of Israel were looking for a physically powerful king, a loud ruler exerting his authority over their enemies. And yet Jesus came in a completely different way. He did come to defeat their greatest enemy, which was not Rome, but rather sin. Jesus did not come as an outspoken and boisterous ruler, but as a loving and compassionate and humble king. The shepherds were specifically told not to look to one, for one who appeared strong in human form, but for one who was God's gift, graciously sent from heaven, born to a people in need of God's glory in whatever way God sought to bring it. Thus, to receive Jesus, we must give God room to move however He sees fit, to come to us in whatever circumstance He allows us to walk through, that we may receive Him deep into our hearts. In other words, rather than complaining and dwelling on negativity when bad experiences befall us, what God asks us to do is to look for Jesus in every situation. Look for His hand reaching out to us. And look for heaven's drops of living water falling upon the parched ground of our hope and our hearts. This is where Jesus can be found. And this is how Jesus is received deep in the heart of one who thirsts and is truly seeking the Lord God Most High. And yet the instruction from heaven would continue to teach us how to receive Jesus in that glorious night in Bethlehem. Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now this fact is overlooked by many. That when the angels appeared, it wasn't just to the shepherds. It wasn't just to uh, announce the birth of Jesus. It also was the direction was also towards God, and we miss that quite often. You see, this was not only a beautiful and powerful message from the heavenly host announcing Jesus coming to the earth. It was so much more. It was a message from the angels to us, teaching us how to receive the gift of Jesus. You see, what we don't realize, and it's not often talked about, is that the angels up to that point had been in the presence of God since their creation. They live around His throne. They have experienced daily His might and His power and His perfection and His glory every minute of their existence. And yet when they announce Him to the world, they are just as excited as one who first receives Jesus for the first time. By example, they show us that the way to receive the King of our hearts is to praise Him and to give Him glory with all that we have. As the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. When they came, they gave glory to God. That is how we are to receive Jesus as well. Luke 2, 15 and 16. 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. The next step in receiving Jesus is to go to Him. There has to be an action on our part to want to see Him, to want to know Him, and to want to come to Him. It was this action by the shepherds that made this announcement to the whole countryside become personal to each one of them. It is this same action of seeking Him for ourselves individually that makes each of our relationships with Jesus personal. Thank God that we serve a personal God. We must desire to go to Him, letting nothing and no excuse, no shame, no fear, or no doubt get in the way. We must come to Jesus, seeking Him as our Lord and as our Savior, who has personally come to us, to each one of us. The most powerful relationship with God is a personal one. Like the shepherds, let us go to Him for ourselves. Luke two seventeen and 18. Now when they had seen Him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The last step in receiving Jesus, is how we respond with what we have received. Will we be so overcome with joy and change in our lives that we go into the world and share this same good news with others? Will we have the same joy that the angels did? They never got tired of of living with God around His throne. That when they announced it to others, you would think it was the first time they had received Jesus. Is that your joy level when you tell others about Jesus? Or do you still have that joy of being in His presence? Notice that these shepherds didn't just share Him in private and safe conversations where they didn't fear being judged or ridiculed by speaking of the miraculous saving power of Jesus. It says in the Scriptures that the shepherds made him widely known. What's that mean? It means they told everyone in every place and in every situation. In fact, they couldn't help it. Their excitement was so genuine and so awe-inspiring that everyone who heard their joy knew that they each had had a personal experience with Jesus. That's the difference. All who heard the good news marveled at the mention of Christ. This is our calling as well. This is what we are called to share with the world. The message of Christmas is to be shared with the world. And the world needs it more than ever. Jesus, our Savior, has come to us, directly to us. Our Emmanuel, God with us. Let us marvel at the glory of God coming to us. And let us never cease to share His gift with joy.
to the world. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the precious gift of Your Son. We thank You for the Spirit of Jesus being with us on this Christmas day and each and every day. Your Word says that You will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord God, we pray that You would fan the flame of our hearts so that with overabounding joy, just like the angels, that we would share Your message with joy to this world. We give You glory in the highest. We thank You for blessing us and keeping us safe. We lift up Your name and we thank You, Jesus. In Your precious name we pray. Amen.